It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm David Asman. I'm Janice Dean. I'm Jimmy Fallon. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. And Lisa Brady. Hunter Biden goes behind closed doors today as House Republicans keep an impeachment inquiry moving. They believe this is the right path to take, and they firmly believe that all avenues will eventually lead to Joe Biden. I'm Chris Foster. Americans are advised to stay away or be extra careful in some popular spring break destinations in Mexico. Quite frankly, things have just gotten worse in Mexico over the course of the last several years. And I'm Mark Thiessen. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. House Republicans have waited months for this day. As part of their impeachment inquiry of President Biden, his son Hunter Biden is scheduled to appear for a closed-door deposition on Capitol Hill a few months after he went to the Capitol but held a news conference instead of complying with the subpoena. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. That was in December. Hunter Biden called out the heads of three House committees by name, accusing them of distorting the facts and said he was willing to answer legitimate questions at a public hearing. It led to a proposed resolution to hold him in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Then in January, at a committee hearing on the contempt proposal, Hunter Biden made a surprise appearance in the audience. Who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mays called him the epitome of white privilege. It does not matter who you are, where you come from, or who your father is, or your last name. Yes, I'm looking at you, Hunter Biden, as I'm speaking to you. You are not above the law. While some Democrats criticized Republicans for not allowing him to testify on the spot. Ultimately, a contempt resolution was voted out of committee and sent to the full House. But Hunter Biden's attorney later requested a new subpoena and a new round of talks about a deposition began. Since then, a key part of the impeachment probe imploded when a former FBI informant who made bribery allegations was accused of fabricating the story and hit with federal charges. He's also suspected of ties to Russian intelligence officials. Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin is the ranking Democrat on the House Oversight Committee. Now we know that Russian intelligence operatives were behind creating the propaganda and disinformation at the very foundation of this investigation. So I think it's time for uh, Chairman Comer and the Republicans to fold up the circus tent and we should get back to work for the American people. Raskin calls the impeachment inquiry a wild goose chase. Hunter Biden has legal problems of his own. Under investigation by a special counsel, he's charged in tax and gun-related cases in two states after a previous plea agreement collapsed. But he avoided a possible contempt charge by agreeing to today's deposition, which is happening a week after the president's brother, James Biden, spoke to lawmakers. Ultimately, Hunter gave in and agreed that it was the best course of action to speak to this committee behind closed doors. Fox News correspondent David Spunt covers the Justice Department. We don't know the exact reasons why. Perhaps we'll hear uh, something from he or his attorney. But what makes things a little bit more interesting is that since uh, November, when that original subpoena was issued, uh, Hunter has now 
facing charges in California, federal criminal tax-related charges. So it's not clear that he's going to even say anything of substance because he's facing two federal criminal cases, one in California for his alleged failure to pay taxes and one in Delaware for his uh, alleged lying on a firearms form. Now, the impeachment inquiry has focused mainly on his business dealings, right, and his father's potential links to those business dealings. It's one thing thing to say, you know, repeatedly my father had nothing to do with my business dealings. It's another thing to spend hours in front of multiple congressional committees. This could be a very long day for him, yes? Absolutely. It's expected to be an incredibly long day. He'll be with his chief lawyer, Abby Lowell, uh, who's a well-known, well-respected attorney in Washington, D.C., And Hunter will sit there. Whether or not he answers every question is something we'll have to wait and see what lawmakers will potentially leak out of this closed-door deposition. Uh, Hunter will be under oath. Uh, This will be recorded in the sense, you know, it will be recorded for somebody to make a transcript later. So it will be transcribed, and, and the transcript will be released to the public. The question is, uh, will Hunter answer the questions or perhaps take the Fifth Amendment or come in and say something along the lines of, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate and respect you all have a job. You have to understand that I have a job, too, and I'm under uh, criminal investigation and fighting two different federal cases. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to answer X, Y, Z from you because of these pending cases, which is always a possibility. Who are the questions coming from and how much could it matter that lawmakers have already heard from multiple witnesses now? So the questions will be coming from Republicans and Democrats. Expect questions to come directly from uh, the Republican chairman, uh, and I say chairmen, uh, James Comer, the chair of the Oversight Committee, and Jim Jordan, the chair of the Judiciary Committee. They are the ones that are leading this impeachment probe into President Biden. They are active questioners. They want to uh, be involved. They've questioned other witnesses personally. We also expect on the Democratic side, ranking member Jamie Raskin from Maryland, uh, he, a, a lawyer, also uh, Representative Dan Goldman. He's an attorney as well. He's represents the uh, New York delegation. And we expect them to ask questions as well, very pointed questions of Hunter Biden. And, and I would say that both will come out, Republicans and Democrats will come out with completely different views of what happened. That's why it's so important for us to have the opportunity to read that transcript once it's released. But given the length, if it goes past 6 p.m. and it starts at 10 a.m., and sure, they take breaks for lunch and bathroom breaks here and there, it may take a few days for it to get this transcript. Democrats have always downplayed this impeachment inquiry as really having no basis. Um, And then a key impetus for it, bribery allegations from a former FBI informant um, got blown up just recently with charges against the informant. How did that fall apart? So this informant, former FBI informant, his name is Alexander Smirnov. He is a dual American-Israeli citizen. He was an FBI informant who made a claim, according to DOJ prosecutors, specifically the special counsel, David Weiss. And apparently Smirnoff told his FBI handler, when you're an informant, you have a handler, meaning an FBI contact. He told his FBI handler, allegedly, that both Joe Biden and Hunter Biden received $5 million each from Ukrainians. Now... David Weiss, who is prosecuting and charging Hunter Biden in Delaware and in California, 
charged Smirnoff, had him arrested at the airport two weeks ago in Las Vegas, where he lives. And David Weiss says that he was lying about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden receiving those alleged five million dollar bribes each from Ukrainians. And Republicans have used that $5 million apiece claim as part of their impeachment probe. Many stated it as fact. Republicans will tell you that they have a bigger impeachment probe. They're looking at connections between Hunter Biden and China, payments from Romania, that this Alexander Smirnoff allegation or tall tale or whatever you want to call it was just part of the impeachment probe. Democrats will tell you that the impeachment probe is pretty much wrapped up and means nothing because they put a lot of weight on this Alexander Smirnov arrest. And they say that Republicans focus so much on this alleged bribe of $5 million apiece, $10 million total, that their inquiry uh, really can't go much further. But Republicans will assure you that it will go further. And those Republican arguments would seem to be perhaps more difficult to make or to continue to make um, if Hunter Biden does what his uncle, James Biden, did and sticks to saying, essentially, you know, there's nothing to see here, no involvement with the president. And that's the key point. And you bring up a very important point with the president, involvement with the president, because people, meaning Republicans or Democrats or whomever during this during this deposition, it doesn't matter what they think of Hunter Biden. It doesn't matter about Hunter Biden's criminal case. This impeachment inquiry is about impeaching perhaps the president of the United States. At this point, it's just an inquiry, which just means an investigation or probe. It's not a full-on impeachment vote or anything at this point, but it's certainly leading in that direction. So no matter what people think about Hunter Biden and his legal problems, those problems are not going away. The Alexander Smirnoff case, Hunter Biden's legal team has been citing But at the end of the day, Hunter is still facing charges in California and Delaware, federal charges. Joe Biden, uh, the subject of the impeachment inquiry, the president of the United States, is not facing any charges in any criminal matter. And as you say, it may be difficult for Republicans to tie certain things to Joe Biden if Hunter Biden performs just as the president's brother did Jim Biden and says that he has nothing to do with businesses full stop, period. But we're still awaiting Jim Biden's transcript, too. So we'll have to see what that says. And now Smirnoff, the former FBI informant charged with lying about a bribery scheme, is also suspected of connections to Russian intelligence. Is that correct? That is absolutely right. David Weiss, the special prosecutor, the special counsel, I should say, investigating Hunter Biden, who's also charging Alexander Smirnov, he said that Alexander Smirnov had deep ties to Russian intelligence. Now, one might say Alexander Smirnov is a longtime FBI informant. Of course, he would have ties to Russian intelligence. He may have ties to intelligence in ABCDEFG countries as well. David Weiss said that He was arrested two days before he had plans to travel overseas to meet with some of those contacts. And David Weiss, the special counsel, his team in the original indictment believes, and this is just what Weiss' team believes, that Smirnov was actively working his contacts in Russia to help try and discredit Joe Biden ahead of this year's presidential election. 
Are any of the House Republicans leading this impeachment inquiry concerned politically about coming up empty handed, especially when voters who maybe aren't so far to the right could potentially see this all as politically motivated in a presidential election year? Are are they talking about those political risks and calculations at all? No one from the Republican side has come out and said that they're worried about any type of political risks. And I'm talking about the leadership of the impeachment probe. I don't know what every Republican member of Congress has said, but the leadership of the impeachment probe, they are going forward. They are guns blazing. They are moving forward with this impeachment inquiry, showing no signs of stopping because they believe this is the right path to take. And they firmly believe that all avenues will eventually lead to Joe Biden. Democrats, on the other hand, say thousands of documents and thousands of hours of interviews over the past year since Republicans took control of the House have still not proven a direct link between anything nefarious, illegal or impeachable and President Biden. Democrats say if it was there, it would have already been released. It's not something that we're going to just hear at the last minute. And Democrats and Republicans say, oh, yes, we knew about this six months ago. So Democrats will make the argument that there's still nothing there that's impeachable. It's all going to depend on the numbers in the House. Speaker Mike Johnson has a razor thin margin in the House of representatives. In order for impeachment to go anywhere, it would first need to pass out of a committee. Then it would go to the House floor. And then if it passes the House floor, it would go to the Senate for a trial, much like we saw with the two impeachment trials of uh, then President Donald Trump. Fox's David Spunt, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. This is Mark Thiessen with your Fox News commentary coming up. The State Department has a message for Americans heading to Mexico for spring break. Travel smart as violent crime spreads to popular tourist destinations. Don't travel alone or between cities at night, for example. There are also recent travel advisories posted for Jamaica and the Bahamas, where two mothers from Kentucky say they were drugged and raped last month. Frankie King is the mother of one of those women telling Fox she could tell something wasn't right during a video call. Two, two and a half hours later, I get a text that says, please call, we've been drugged and raped. Every parent's worst nightmare. Your child is in trouble, in danger, and scared. Two resort employees are under arrest in that case. There are four levels of State Department advisories that can be applied to whole countries or areas within them. Well, they vary, quite frankly, and some are fairly routine and can address uh, things like pickpocketing or um, home invasions, hotel invasions. Brett Bruins, president of the public relations and communications firm Global Situation Room. But there are others that are of a much more serious variety. And so it's important to look at the details of it. It's important to consult with other experts because 
One of the things I learned as a diplomat is oftentimes, you know, the best information is not necessarily in our embassies. Where's it from? Well, you've got to talk to locals. You've got to read the local news. You've got to engage with folks. And obviously also those who are working in the travel industry will have some of the best information on what's happening in and around some of those tourist spots, hotels, and other destinations. Let's start with Mexico. With a lot of vacation destinations, it used to be, you know what, just be smart about where you go and who you're with. At the very worst, uh, just stick to the resorts and you'll be fine. This seems like an escalation. I think it is. And it comes after, obviously, there have been a number of serious incidents. And in Mexico's case in particular, you have President Lopez Obrador, who has quite frankly departed from the typical approach of Mexican leaders to try and crack down on some of this criminal activity. And so it is worrying for U.S. officials. I think it is emboldening some of the criminal uh, groups who feel as though they have carte blanche to uh, go after targets that before were off limits. Do you feel like the Mexican government is just at this point, just uh, we've thrown our hands up and we're going to let this burn out and see what happens? Or is, is there anything to be done? Well, the Biden administration's approach has been one of engagement. And so you haven't seen some of the harsh words and some of uh, the threats that uh, mark the Trump presidency. I don't know that they have a lot to show for it because, quite frankly, things have just gotten worse in Mexico over the course of the last several years. And let's not forget, there is a major election coming up in Mexico. And right now, we are weighing a possible scenario in which uh, Morena, the party of the Mexican president, might not necessarily cede power. And if we have a political crisis on our borders, that is going to be a security and immigration situation. It's about 100 times worse than what we currently are looking at. Fantastic. Um, uh, Now, the cartels, Brett, in the past uh, may be agreed. Look, it's a good idea to stay away from the tourists so as not to bring more heat down upon us, uh, more public inter- more public attention, more international attention. And now what? The tourists are, are targets or customers? Well, I think they are calculating that in some ways the off-limits targets now uh, can be more lucrative opportunities. So if they even threaten to go after some of these sites, then all of a sudden there are payoffs that are possible both from hotels, other businesses, local leaders, national leaders. So this is a business opportunity for cartels because at the end of the day, they are motivated by money. Sure. And so are the hotel owners. And I imagine they're losing their minds over this. Um, There are also warnings about Jamaica and the Bahamas. What's going on there? Those cases, I think we're not comparing apples to apples. And it's important also that just because there's a color-coded system, just because there is similar language, the situations are entirely different. In the case of Jamaica, there actually has been a steady decrease in crime. Nonetheless, uh, the embassy is going to look at a whole variety of factors, and ultimately, they're going to make an assessment based on what they are seeing come through their consular offices, what their officers are encountering. But obviously, governments like Jamaica protest vigorously at some of uh, what they feel is unfair criticism. At what point is it cancel your vacation territory? Or at what point is it just be really extra smart territory? 
Well, let's start with being really extra smart. But um, I think when we see a pattern of activity, it's not just an isolated incident, then you're getting into rethink your travel plan. So in the case of Mexico, there have been a series of these incidents. It wasn't a um, isolated event. And that's where I think folks really do need to take careful look. And Mexico is a big country. There are a lot of different places, but certainly some of them, like Acapulco, ought to be off limits. Yeah, I guess it's obviously unfair to say Mexico with a broad brush. It's like saying the United States with a broad brush. There are some cities that are um, you know, safer than others. What kind of precautions can people be taking sort of above and beyond what they might have taken in less volatile times? Well, first is follow the news. If you're planning a trip, you know, put in a Google alert, make sure that you're getting in touch with folks who have a sense of how things are going on the ground. Second, I think you have to make smart decisions when you're there. How are you dressing? How are you going out to um, places and at times that are not putting yourself and your travel companions at risk? The other thing I I would say that's really important is uh, to ensure that you know uh, at all times what's happening. And that you know includes staying close on social media to some of those um, security alerts while you're there. Because as we've seen, these events can happen quickly. When I've been posted overseas as a diplomat, you always, you know, before heading out in the morning, wanted to check what was going on around the city. How supportive is the State Department with Americans abroad? I mean, are there resources people should be taking advantage of, could be taking advantage of when they travel overseas? Well, Certainly check travel.state.gov. That will give you a starting point. But I don't think that's the full information that a traveler needs. You also have often this um, incorrect perception that the embassy, that the Marines are going to come out and rescue you no matter where uh, you are or what you get into. And had to disabuse a fair number of folks over the years that just because you are uh, choosing to travel somewhere or to do something, you're not necessarily going to find a helicopter uh, swooping in to save you. So um, look at some of those travel choices. Look at what's going to be available in terms of local support, embassy support. And then I think, you know, staying in touch with the embassy, it's important that travelers do register because you will get um, regular updates from the embassy about what is happening. In fact, there's a rule that goes back to the Lockerbie Scotland uh, bombing, where the U.S. government has to provide the same information to American citizens overseas as its diplomats get. And we always would face this in meetings. And so anytime there's a new warning, anytime there's uh, credible information, that goes out to American citizens who are registered as well. Forget about vacations for a minute. College kids don't have to go to Mexico for spring break. Um, What about business? I mean, a lot of Americans travel to other countries for work. They travel to China. I mean, less commonly Russia, but there are some Americans there with business interest. Is it business as usual or do governments want – I mean, governments obviously want to keep that trade going. They do. But these days, you know, those who are traveling for business also can have – a bigger target on their back, whether it is uh, for robberies or kidnappings, or as we've seen just over the last several years, they can get caught up in some of these um, political disputes between countries. Uh, It's played out with Russia, China as well, North Korea. So one, you want to check ahead of time, is this the right moment to be traveling to that country? Uh, Is there a possibility that 
um, political tensions could um, boil over. Secondly, you know, what is the itinerary? And so if you're going for business, are you staying in the capital? Are you going to be traveling uh, up country again? Who is providing you with that insight on local conditions so that you are aware if I'm going out to a factory, if I'm going out to uh, a more remote location, it isn't the same as in the capital or in some of those urban centers. So important for you to run through all of that information. And then lastly, I think also doing your best to understand and to um, make uh, your uh, connections with folks overseas as um, culturally sensitive as possible. So, you know, m ensuring that you know a little bit of the local language, um, that you understand the customs, what could um, cause offense, what um, could create uh, an incident. And, you know, lastly, be aware of your surroundings. And I think a lot of times we find ourselves overseas, we're um, overwhelmed by the sights, the smells, the sounds, but um, understanding, you know, what's happening around uh, me, where would I um, need to go if everything from a, a fire to um, a robbery took place? Uh, that's important to have front of mind. How about Israel? Is it, uh, is it obvious statement to say that maybe it's not a time for, for uh, leisure travel there? Well, there are a lot of folks still going, and um, yet we've seen just um, barrage after barrage of missiles and um, the region as a whole, obviously engulfed in what is taking place in Gaza. So I would look closely at your um, travel plans, uh, follow closely what's happening with some of these negotiations around a potential ceasefire. But I don't think we're yet in cancel trip territory because next week uh, we may be in an entirely different situation. Prep Bruins, president of the uh, PR and communications firm uh, Global Situation Room, former diplomat, former director of global engagement at the White House during the Obama administration. Brett Bruin, thanks for uh, coming on The Rundown. Sure thing. And in other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. This past weekend was one for the history books. The first ever Florida Man games were held in St. Augustine, Florida, where, quote, the events were even crazier than the headlines. The inaugural event was pitched as the most insane athletic showdown on Earth, leaning into the weird and inviting locals to celebrate all that makes Florida, Florida. The days-long competition featured events inspired in part by the state's notoriously strange headlines. There was a weaponized pool noodle mud duel, an evading arrest obstacle course, a Category 5 cash grab, and a theft simulation relay in which competitors raced while toting a pair of bicycles, copper pipes, and catalytic converters. St. Augustine locals, the Hanky Spanky team, took home the championship. The only women's event Saturday was a Florida MAM pinup contest. Organizer Pete Melfi said he expected ticket sales to exceed 5000 going for $45 a pop. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. 
It's time for your Fox News commentary. Mark Thiessen. What's on your mind? Donald Trump says that if elected, he will negotiate a deal to end the Ukraine war. I'll have that done in 24 hours, he says. If Republicans want to give him the leverage to deliver on that promise, they need to approve military aid to Ukraine and fast. Last year, thanks to U.S. weaponry, Russia made no military gains on the ground while Ukraine succeeded in wiping out nearly one third of Russia's Black Sea fleet. But as aid has stalled in Congress, Ukrainian fighters have been forced to ration artillery, allowing Russia to start taking territory again and launch new offensives on five different lines of attack. Why would pro-Trump Republicans want him to inherit a dire military situation? They should be helping put Trump in the strongest position to negotiate a peace agreement when he takes office. If Republicans cut off weapons to Kyiv and Russia makes major battlefield advances over the coming months, it will be impossible for Trump to negotiate that stable, lasting peace. Without U.S. arms, Vladimir Putin's forces could break through Ukraine's defenses, march on Kyiv again, and potentially reach NATO's borders. Ukraine could be so weak in 11 months' time that Putin wouldn't see any need to negotiate. Setting aside the Trumpian bluster of 24 hours, it's worth doing something that the former president's reflexive critics often fail to do. Look closely at what he has actually said. Far from seeking to appease Putin, Trump's message has been, stop your aggression and agree to peace, or he will help Ukraine win the war. In fact, Trump has threatened to increase USA. Trump has said, quote, I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give the Ukrainians a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to, he said in an interview with Fox News' Maria Bartiromo last July. But that threat will be empty if Putin is already all but one on the battlefield by the time Trump takes office. For Trump's warning to be credible, Ukraine needs to hold on to the territory it has taken back since Russia's full-scale invasion began two years ago, even better if Ukraine is on the offensive. Trump does not share the hostility that some on the anti-Ukraine right maintain towards President Volodymyr Zelensky and his country. Quite the opposite. During a 2022 speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference, Trump called Putin's invasion appalling. It's an outrage, he said, and an atrocity that should never have been allowed to occur, unquote. He called Zelensky a, quote, brave man, unquote. Unlike the anti-interventionist right, Trump has shown that he will flex American muscle against Russia. During a 2019 Oval Office interview, he told me that he ordered U.S. military forces to kill hundreds of Russian Wagner Group fighters in a February 2018 firefight in eastern Syria. And he authorized a covert cyber attack against Russia's Internet Research Agency, the St. Petersburg-based troll farm that spearheaded Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election. He imposed crippling sanctions that halted construction of Russia's Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline with Germany until Joe Biden took office and greenlighted the project to please Berlin. And don't forget, Trump provided Ukraine with lethal aid when he was in office. Quote, I sent massive number of anti-tank busters, he told me. I sent them military equipment and President Barack Obama sent them nothing but non-lethal aid. He's right. Now some Republicans want to cut military aid to Ukraine, which would allow Putin to finish that march on Kyiv. Republicans have the power to stop that from happening, and in so doing, set Trump up for a major foreign policy victory. To be clear, I'd like to see the United States do everything in its power to help the people of Ukraine, and it doesn't matter who gets the credit. But House Republicans might want to consider the narrative Trump will have if he successfully negotiates a peace deal, as he's vowed to do. Russia would never have invaded if Trump had been reelected in 2020. It was Biden's weakness on the world stage, including his disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, that emboldened Putin to try and take Ukraine. Biden then slow rolled weapons to Ukraine with no strategy for victory, allowing Putin to run roughshod over the country until Trump potentially returns to the White House to set things straight. It would be a diplomatic triumph and a foreign policy vindication. But for that to happen, the GOP needs to give Ukraine weapons now. If they don't, they, not Biden, will own Ukraine's military collapse, and they would leave Trump with a weak hand if he retakes the Oval Office. I'm Mark Thiessen. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.